Welcome to the Gathering at Adele's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. My king forever. We all hail King Jesus. I just, I feel like at least in my spirit, I feel like the Lord is saying it. Is there something that you're still holding on to though? Is there, is there a part of your life where you, you've given everything else? You said, King Jesus, you're king of my life. But there's one thing over here that I've been holding on to. For for me, that's what I feel like he's saying and and leading us into this moment. So before we just rush out of this and and get to the message and then get to lunch, can we just stop and say, Father, is there anything in me that you're asking me to lay down? Like the song says, any lie, any doubt, any self-effort, any my, my own will that I'm holding on to it, any, any sin, any addiction, any hurt, any brokenness. Is there anything that I'm holding on to? I want you to ask him that question. I can't ask it for you. I can't answer it for you. I, I can just provide an opportunity for you to ask the Father. And for the Father to so graciously reveal it to you. And when He does, it's so simple and it's so easy. And you say, Father, I see that. And, and you can even have a conversation and say, man, I'm so, but I'm nervous about this. If I let go of this, then what's going to happen? Uh, I, I use that for, for comfort. I don't know, it's just the way I've always done it. Whatever that conversation is. But at the end of that conversation, it says, but Lord, I, I see you and I trust you. And I lay it down right now. Never to pick it up again. So Father, we just thank you that everything that's been laid down today, that's at the foot of your cross, and it's not ours to bear anymore, but you already bore it. You already paid the price. And we, we just say, it's not ours. We don't want it anymore. And so, Father, I just pray for forgiveness, for healing, for restoration over myself and over the people here today. Father, may they walk in wholeness and newness like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one thing about me, if you've ever been around me for a bit, you know that I, I enjoy to win. Uh, I hate losing more than anything else. Uh, and so for me, what I have to continue to lay down, and yesterday I had to lay it down at a five-year-old, you know, t-ball game. Uh <laughs> was my pride and my ego of being right. And I was right. My dad was there. He witnessed that I was right, but I didn't say a thing. Wanted to. Probably made some hand gestures in my body, you could tell. But you know that 
when we sing those songs, when we come into worship, and then if we just walk out of here and we're not changed, then, then what, what do we do? We, we've just made ourselves feel better. We, we've just extended the lie that, oh, hey, we're good. Uh, we, we've played the game of religion and of church, but if we haven't really come here and encountered and said, Father, what, what do you want to see different in me? Then we're just wasting our time. But it's to, to see that, to recognize that, and to go, Father, yes. Thank you that my reputation does not depend on the outcome of a five-year-old t-ball game. Thank you that my pride does not depend on that. But that, that my identity and my worth is not wrapped up in if my team is undefeated or not, which we are not anymore. But to acknowledge that and to go, Man, let me be found in you and you alone. Let me find value and worth and nothing else that this world has to offer except in you. And so that, that's where I am. So I'm, like, I don't just come up here and go, all right, Lord, what do these people need to hear? No, the Lord is working on me. If you've known me, you know that the Lord is working on me. I'm not there yet, but I, I'm on the way to get there. And I have confidence that he will not leave me. He will not forsake me. And he would not do that to you either to leave me where I am, but for me to be out there and getting better and doing better. So love you guys. What a joy it is to gather together. Like I, I, don't, I don't like... I don't take this lightly. This, this is such a joy to come here. And so just like in worship, I, I pray. Like I, I don't claim to have all the answers. I don't have all the stories. I don't have all the illustrations that y'all are going to be like, man, that was so good. My, my goal is to just come before you, say this, this is where I feel like the Lord is leading us today. This is what I feel like he shared to me that I'm to share with you. And you're probably going to get something out of it that, I've never even, that I didn't even say today. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you, not me. You, you'll walk away like... I mean, and it happens all the time. They're like, man, Jeff, that, when you said that, that was so good. It's like, man, that really was so good, and I didn't say that. You heard it, but it wasn't from my lips. The, the Holy Spirit is who's teaching you. And so my goal is to just open up the word, to share with you what I feel like he's saying, and to inspire you to open it up tomorrow morning when nobody else is here. And you're probably not here either, but you're at your house. For you to open it up when no one else is around. To fall more in love with him. To, to open up the word and not so that you can memorize it. Not so that you can prove somebody wrong at work. But so you can open it up and the Lord can be revealed to you. And you can get to know him better. So that you fall even more deeply in love with him. That's my goal today. My goal is not to just like wow you with all the things. We don't have fog machines. We don't have the lights and the strobes. And we don't have all the PowerPoints and all of that. All we've got is the Holy Spirit. Man, so we're going to come and we're going to have a good time today. I'll do announcements at the end because I can't even do it right now. All right, Romans 1. We've been in Romans chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17. It's up on the screen. If you don't have your, the Bible with you, you don't have your phone, kiddos are playing on it to keep them quiet. No worries, we have it up here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Man, what, what, a, what a power punch of a statement right here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
And, and this is Paul, and, and Paul's talking, he's writing to Romans, and, and I think if, if you've been in church or if you've listened to some podcasts, you'll, you'll hear it's important to read the word in context. Because when taken out of context, it can still be a good sermon. But when taken out of context, this will be a message that is preached like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Everybody, I'm going to tell everybody to know that I'm a Christian. And I, you know, I've got the, the fish symbol on the back of my car. i got Air One playing in my cubicle. I do all the things. And everybody knows that I'm a Christian because I let it be known. And that's a great thing. That, that Absolutely. Like, that should be something. But... That's not the context of what we're looking at. The context of this is Paul is saying, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because Paul starts off his letter in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. He says, my name is Paul. I'm an apostle. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. A messenger that's been set apart. Paul starts off to the Romans, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Which we talked about a couple weeks ago. That would have been a slap in the face. Nobody would have ever said... Man, I'm a servant. Man, it's just glorious to be a servant of Jesus Christ. The Romans would have looked at you and thought that you were the craziest person in the world. Why would you want to lower yourself to that of a servant? When you were a Pharisee of Pharisees, when when you had achieved all the earthly success, you said you have forsaken that, and now you gladly call yourself a servant of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of life that that the righteous will live by faith. And so what he's saying is I'm not ashamed because it used to be a certain way. That that there was rules and regulations of the religious system. But now the gospel is so much simpler than that. He's saying that that word ashamed, it it means to, let me read it so I don't uh, do it wrongly here. Fear of embarrassment that one's expectations may prove false. Paul is saying, I'm not afraid of being embarrassed that what I'm about to say might prove false. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of that at all. If you've been to a sports game or you watch it on TV every once in a while, you'll see a group of guys. It's always guys. Ladies are probably a little bit smarter than this, but you know they'll paint their face or the guys will paint their chest and they all line up and it spells something out, whether the team name or the mascot. And man, that's the picture of not being ashamed. Like, I have no fear of embarrassment that what I'm about to do is going to prove my expectations false. Nobody paints their chest expecting their team to lose. You never see them outside of the game with their chest painted, though. They put that shirt on real fast if their team loses, right? But in the moment, they're not ashamed because they're saying what I stand for right now I have no expectation that it's going to be wrong. Paul is saying, I'm not afraid to be embarrassed of, about, of what I'm about to say because it is the truth. Not only is it the truth, but it is the power of life. It has the power for salvation. So once again, don't be embarrassed, right? Because there, there are scriptures that talk about, hey, if you deny me before others, then I'll deny you before my father, right? To, and we are to be that, those people. But this is what we're going to begin to look at today is that Paul was not ashamed at the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel, we've, we've made church so hard. We, we've made, like, we, we say, hey, share the gospel. And you're like, oh, where, where, where do I start? Like, how, how can I share the gospel? Like, it's 66 books. It's, 
hundreds of pages. Like, how can I, in the, the four minutes that that person's going to allow me to speak into their life, how can I share the gospel? We've made it so complicated, and that's what Paul is saying. I'm not ashamed that the gospel is easy. The previous, the rules and the regulations of the religious system, that was tough. But the gospel is easy. How do, you, how do you explain the gospel? I, I've been trying to go over this because my goal and expectation of you and of me, and it's not really mine, it's Jesus. He said, go and make disciples in all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's his expectation on us, but I'm trying to help you in that. And the gospel is simple. It says that man was created, was placed in the Garden of Eden in perfection, and, and the Lord was with him. There was no sin. And then man chose to sin. By partaking of the fruit that the Lord said not to. It created a, a separation from man and God. Sin did, not God. Sin created that separation. And there was no way to, to bridge that gap. So God sent his only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And Jesus lived for 32 years on this earth just like we did. Or longer than that, some of us. But yet he was without sin. He fulfilled every requirement of the law. He was crucified. He, was died. he died. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He overcame death. And it says that all who put their hope and their faith in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed that that's the gospel. And you can say, well, what about, what about church attendance? It has no bearing on your salvation. Religion doesn't want me to say that. Because religion needs you here. The gospel doesn't need you here. The gospel needs you out there. I don't need you here. I need you out there. And I say it all the time, like it can't rise and fall on this pulpit. It can't rise and fall on one man. It has to be that you guys get the gospel. And I know y'all are doing it because I hear the testimonies of, the, of what y'all are doing. But y'all have to go and do it. It can't be all about me. And, and we have to be able to say it's simple. It's not about church attendance. It's not about tithing. It's not about serving in the nursery. It's not about helping those and serving when we do things. It's not about coming to the picnic next week. Although I would love to have you at the picnic next week. It's not about those things. It's simple. Because can you imagine, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And they say, but, but, but what about the sacrifices? What, what are we going to do with that, Paul? And Paul says, hey, Jesus Christ was the pure, the perfect, sacrificial lamb. There's no more need for sacrifices. It's all on him. And, and he's saying, I'm not ashamed to say that the priesthood is gone. Can you imagine telling the religious system there's no more need for the priesthood? And Paul said, I'm not ashamed because you are the priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 says, for you are the royal priesthood, that you are kings. Revelation 5.10 says it also. Like, the, the priesthood was abolished because you, we are all the priests. And he said, well, what about the temple? You can't do away with the temple, the church. Paul said, man, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy of Holies that was so sacred 
We are all that, where he lives inside of us now. You, you think about, Paul saying, I'm not ashamed. Because can you imagine doing, devoting your entire life to something only to finding out that there's a better way? Paul, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. That means by the age of 12, he had the first five books memorized. Memorized, not just like I do where I'm like, yeah, it's in there. Look it up, Google it, you know? Like, no, it's there. Paul, Paul had it memorized. He, he was devoted to religion. For, for, he did everything he was supposed to do. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisee. And he's saying, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed that the gospel is so much easier. Church has made it so complicated. Religion has made it so hard. Because church is people. The gospel is Jesus Christ. It's so much easier. The rules and the regulations are unnecessary. You see, that, that religion is man's search for God. The gospel is God's search for man. Religion is all about appearance. The gospel is all about the presence. Religion is all about looking good. Man, we got to have our Sunday best. Man, we want everyone to see that we went to church. When we, went to the, when we go to the restaurant, man, we want people to say, oh, I bet they went to church today. Because, man, that, that does something. Builds me up. Yeah, that's right, I did. You didn't. You were watching football. Because religion is all about the outward appearance. The gospel is about the inward presence that we carry. The gospel is simple. The gospel, it says, is foolishness to those who don't believe. The ones looking from the outside. When Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's saying, I know to the outside world, my life looks foolish. To the outside world, the decision to put our faith our hope, our trust, everything that we have on a, a, a deity, a, a something that's out there that we can't see, that, that we, we can feel, but is that real? Like, we, to put all of that, like, I, I've dedicated my entire life to this, and that looks absolutely foolish to the outside world. For your decision to, to follow Jesus, to lay down the patterns of this world, to look different than the rest of the world, looks foolish to those who don't know him. Looking from the outside, they're like, well, why don't you, what do you mean? You, you, you give some of your money to, to the church, to the Lord? Like, why, why not just keep it all and then you can get more? And, and and you don't even know them. Like, it's more prevalent than ever before, but it looks foolishness. But not only that, but inside the church. Have you noticed that outside of the church, our faith looks foolish? Inside the church, people call us foolish too. Like, whoa, whoa, hey, that's radical. <laughs> you don't have to do all that. You don't have to sell all your things. You don't have to go tell everybody you know about Jesus. You don't need to quit your corporate job so that you can just serve him wherever he says. Like, our faith is foolish, not only to those who don't believe, but to those that are in the church that aren't there yet. Our faith is foolishness to those on the outside. 
But to those of us on the inside, it's the power of life and the power of salvation. Paul saying, I'm not ashamed because the gospel was, I mean, we can't even imagine what, what the gospel did to that world, to, to the whole religious system. I mean, it wasn't just the church. It was the people. It was the government. It was everything that they had. And Paul says, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, it's for everyone. Can you imagine telling the Jews that the gospel is for the Samaritans, for the Gentiles? Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed that it's for everyone. And we should be in the same boat. Man, we're not ashamed that the gospel is for everyone. Like, like it's not just for those that we like. Not just for those that, that vote the way that we vote. That think the way that we think. Who root for the same sports teams that we The salvation of God. The gospel. I'm not ashamed that the gospel is for the worst of the worst. As long as they come to him. I mean, can, and, and I even shared a. A couple months ago, maybe, maybe longer than that, but just even the, the idea that, that Jeffrey Dahmer, while he was in prison for the most heinous crimes, that, that he gave his life to the Lord. And man, that, that's hard to take. It's hard to, to imagine that the gospel is for the, the child molesters. For the thieves, the crooks. It, it's hard to imagine that it's for, for everybody, even for us, because why? We still think we're better than other people. Because our sin looks different. But, but Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed that it's for everyone. We have to not be ashamed that the gospel is for everyone who believes. We want to hold it so tightly because we think we have a right to it. We don't want to share it with, with others because we're like, no, no, not them. Paul's saying, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power of life. You see, the law was powerless. Everything that they built their life around, Paul says that's powerless. The law can produce nothing but wrath and death. That's what the word says. The law produces wrath and death. And Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed that I'm forsaking that because this, the gospel has the power to save. Not just to save me, but to save everyone. The gospel solves the problem of being separated from God because of sin. There's no amount of work and effort that you can do to ever earn that right. To ever earn his love. There, there's nothing that you can do that can earn your forgiveness. The, the old system was all rules and regulations. 613 commands of God in order to fulfill it. And no one could. And no one ever would have. And Paul's saying, man, I'm not ashamed that now there's two. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine the questions? Okay, hey, but, but when we give, like, how, how should we give that? Or, or you say, love my neighbor, but what does that mean? Even, even when Jesus was teaching that, the, the lawyer, and I, I believe Luke chapter 10 was like, uh, but after he tells the whole story of the Good Samaritan, the, the, the lawyer, the, the Pharisee, he goes, well, who is my neighbor? 
Like, yeah, like just on my cul-de-sac here? Or like, and Jesus says, everyone. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it saves us from the wrath of God. Do you know that because of the gospel, those who believe will never have to experience the wrath of God? You can, you can take all of that, all the, man, that's a lot of change. So Paul, you're saying we don't have to do all that. Okay, the beauty is it saves us from the wrath of God. I'll, I'll never know the wrath of God. The punishment for sin was paid on Jesus Christ. That's hard to hear because we, we want to go, oh, well, well, what about this when that happened? Wouldn't that, isn't that God doing that? Isn't he punishing me? Like we say it all the time. Not, not we, but like we hear people all the time. That, oh, I got in a car wreck. I, 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 something bad. or got cancer. It's like, well, you know, I mean, I, I deserve that. Uh, you know, and they, they begin to look at their life. And, and, and what they're doing is they're, they're, they're coming back. They're, they're accepting the wrath of God when the wrath of God was satisfied on Jesus Christ. Now, do bad things happen? Absolutely. But, it, but it's not the wrath of God that's being poured out on people. That's tough to take because we want to be able to justify every situation. And you'd be like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm saying, man, the wrath of God has been satisfied on Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power to transform us into who we were made to be. The gospel saves us and sanctifies us. Paul is saying it has the power to save us, but it also has the power to sanctify us. What I'm talking about. So like the gospel, you're like, Jeff, like this message is, I got it, man. I've been saved. I've been a Christian for 50 years. I'm good. No, no, no. The gospel not only saves us, but it sanctifies us. We don't just need to hear the gospel once. We need to hear the gospel every single day, multiple times a day. Because Paul said, I, everything else I consider rubbish except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It, the gospel has the power to transform us from the inside out. The gospel has the power to change our thoughts and our motivations. You see, it doesn't just save us, but it changes the way that we think about people. It changes the way that we think about our money. Why do you need the gospel right now today? Not to save you unless it, that is what you need, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you need the gospel because we need to change the way that we view money. We need to change the way that we think that it's all for me. And, and once again, this is not just us. This is just as we go about in life. But it's money is not a tool for me to use for my benefit or my gain. The gospel will transform us to where we say, Lord, you're good. How, how can I use this extra money? I didn't know I was going to come into this money. How can I use this for you and not for me? It, it, it will change the way that we think about our time. Like when I have time, there's a couple of things that I enjoy a lot. I, I enjoy fishing and I enjoy playing Video games. 
love to play, love to play. I'm the best in my house for sure. They won't play me anymore. It's frustrating. But I, I love, but what happens is the gospel has to transform me to where that's not where I find all my pleasure. When I go, oh, I got an extra 30 minutes. Man, I'm just going to put that stuff away and I'm just going to lean in on you. The God, you need to hear the gospel today because it's going to transform your thoughts and it's going to transform the motivations behind your actions. We're so busy trying to change the actions and the behaviors, but the gospel will actually change the motivations, which will change the actions. You want, you want one with food? You want one more? Can I, can I do a little stomach punch? It will change the way that we view food, even. Instead of where food is all about me and how can I gain as much in my belly as possible and as much pleasure as, much as possible, it will go, where do you want me to eat today? How do you want me to steward my body today? The gospel will transform you. It will save you, but it will also sanctify you. Because the sanctification is to, all, all sanctification is, is returning us back into the image of the Father. We were created in the image of the Father. We sinned. And then now that process, and man, don't you wish it was quick, but it's not sometimes. But if we were to, if we just skipped right past it, then what good is it? You read the, if you've ever been in school and had to do a book report, you know, you would read the first chapter, maybe, maybe read the second, and then you got to like skip all the other ones and just read the last chapter. Because you, you just got to know, you know, or sometimes you get into a really good book and you're like, this person better not die. Let me just flip ahead. Let me just, okay, they're, they're there on the, la, on the last few pages. We're good. I'll keep reading. Have you ever done that where you're like, no, I'm out, done, you know, that, that's the way, that's the way our our life is, that, that sanctification part. Yes, we are saved now, and we know where our end is, but, but that's not what matters. What matters is returning back to the image of the Father, returning back to who we were created to be, because if the goal was you get saved, you go to heaven, th then why not just have it happen immediately? But the goal is for you to be transformed so that you can show other people and tell other people because one of the things we're about here, it says that we exist to display and declare the glory of God. We exist to display and declare the glory of God. And I almost didn't display it yesterday. Almost didn't. But I have to remind myself that I exist to display and declare the glory of God. And when we begin to do that, then we will take this opportunity. We know the beginning of the book. We know the end of the book. But this is what, what matters right here. It's for us to display and declare the glory of God. For us to be able to share the gospel with others. Because there is no plan B. They're not going to know about God unless we tell them. They're just not. Like, like that person that you just keep going, man, I wish the Lord would just get a hold of him. It's you sharing the gospel with that person and then allowing the Lord to get a hold of them. But yet we just want to stand back and gripe about that person. Maybe they're your spouse. Maybe they're not. Or maybe it's my wife and I'm the spouse, right? But if we just stand there and gripe about them and we don't realize that the gospel has the power to save and to sanctify, then we will just continue to gripe. 
and go right about our day. Or we will dismiss people at the drop of a hat. They say something we don't like. They look at us a certain way. Then we're done with them. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's really pretty simple. Uh, it, it sounds too good to be true sometimes. You know, uh, there, there's things, pyramid schemes, or I mean, sorry, multi-level marketing schemes that they have out there nowadays, you know. It's like, man, this is, this is easy. This is too good to be true. It is, because it's not true. <laughs> you know, like they're like, all you have to do is find five of your friends. And then they find five friends. Right? And, and is it like, man, that, that's so, so like, I don't have to do anything like in a couple of years? That's great. And it, it sounds too good to be true. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm not ashamed because I know this sounds too good to be true, but it's not. Because the gospel, when you boil it down to it, says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And that is a gift from God so that no man can boast. The gospel is that you are saved by grace through faith. And that is a gift from God so that no man can boast. The gospel is simple. To be saved, it's simple. And Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of that. Because if you begin to look in verse 17 of the Romans 1, it says that the righteous shall live by faith. And it goes through later on in Romans 3, Romans 4. It begins to talk about Abraham. And going back to the story, and it says that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was credited righteousness not because he did what he thought was going to happen. It's because he knew that it was going to happen. He believed that it was going to happen. Abraham was credited righteousness not because he did leave everybody, go there, and go to where the Lord showed him, which he did do. But it was not credited to him as righteousness for doing the act. It was credited to him for, for righteousness because of the faith that he had. It's simple. Your faith will save you. Your deeds will not save you. Your actions will not save you. None of that will save you. It's only your faith. And Paul is saying, man, I know this sounds too good to be true. I know it sounds like an essential oil type scheme here, but it's really not. It's just like, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's not too good to be true. It's not just wait, there's more. There, it's faith in him and him alone. I think sometimes we, we allow that to creep back into our thoughts where, where you'll hear people, they, they go through a tough time and they're like, oh man, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found you. You were blind, he opened your eyes. You were lost, he found you. You were running and he pursued you. But we just allow these little phrases and then it begins to put it back on us. Like, oh man, I found him. No, you did not. He loves you. He pursued you. And the gospel is so simple. Even if you go, yeah, but I had the faith to believe him for that. The word in Ephesians 2.9 says, well, that faith that you had was a gift from God so that not even you can boast about having faith. Like, not even the ability to say, yeah, but, I, but he found me, I know, but then I still confessed it as true, and I, now I'm following him. Yeah, even that confession is a gift from God. You can't do it on your own. And Paul's saying, the gospel, I'm not ashamed that it has nothing to do with you. Religion is all about you. The gospel is nothing to do with you. The, the gospel means, man, I don't even know who you are because all I can see is Jesus. 
Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. We have to begin to realize that our faith is our foundation. That faith is the foundation of the gospel. Anything else you build your life on will crumble at some point or another. And you might look really good for a really long time. I might look really good for a really long time. But if my life is built on anything else other than my faith, then it will crumble. It it will crumble when the stock market crumbles. It will crumble when my marriage crumbles. It will crumble when one of my kids crumbles. At some point when my business crumbles, it will at some point crumble if your faith is built on anything else. And I'm not even talking about in bad times. I'm talking about in really good times. When, when things are going great, you're making more money than you ever have, your kids are obeying like never before, life is good, everybody loves you, and you know what? Your life is built on that, and you can still neglect God. I think so many times we think about coming to Him in, in, in our worst times, but it's actually in our best of times where we have to still not forget Him. Because even in the best of times, our faith is still our foundation. Abraham's promise to be a father of many nations, to to have the descendants as as numerous as the sand on the shore. That promise was given not through the law, but through his faith. You see, that law can only produce wrath and death, but the Spirit gives life. Life had to be created. This This is just a thought, right? So just if it's Weird, go back and listen to the podcast and slow it down, think about it again. But if if life had to be created in order for Abraham's promise to be fulfilled, then it could not be fulfilled through the law. Because the law could not produce life. The law only produces death. So even for human life to come about for that promise to be made true, it had to be the Spirit. That one's free. It's just my thoughts. What's my response to the gospel? It has the power to save. We're going to do baptisms in a couple of weeks. We're going to begin to announce it and begin to just see if that's something for anybody. But man, we, we truly believe in baptism because why? The gospel has the power to save. If you've never given your life to the Lord, today's a great day to do it. And I've already told you how. It's so simple. You don't have to come walking to the front, in front of everybody. You don't have to make a scene. It's just putting your faith in him. And then we, t- then we gather together at baptism to celebrate that decision that you've made. The gospel means I've forsaken all others. There's no one else but him. The gospel sanctifies us. Is there anything in our lives? And we kind of dealt with this after worship, but I still feel like the Lord said, is there anything in our lives that needs to be sanctified? The, the way that we speak to our wife, the way that we speak to our kids, the way that we treat our coworkers, the way that we drive. Uh, that, that one's a hard one. Me, me and my wife, we have Life 360. This is real quick and then we'll be done after one more. Y'all have Life 360 where you can track like you're driving and we really track our kids. Well, my wife is always getting on to me for using my phone while I drive. I know, but there's no condemnation for those who are Christ Jesus. So, uh, but, uh, and so we have Life 360. Well, I kind of keep stats on that, like how many phone uses it. And, and she didn't, 
And so we were talking with someone the other day, and she's like, uh, you got to get off your phone while we're driving. I was like, you got way too many high-speed alerts. She's like, what are you talking about? And we pulled out our phones like we were Wild West at the same time. Whew, let's see it. And so I'm like, here it is. Like, I already knew where it was. And so we're, we're looking through there. She goes, phone usage. Mine for a week. Like, 397 while you're driving. She's like, that's ridiculous. I go, look at those high-speed alerts right there. 17. I have zero. So I, I, I don't speed. I might be distracted. And so we went through that whole process, but that's something that obviously needs to be sanctified in my wife as her speeding. And uh, <laughs> those people texted us later on that night while we were, we were driving separately, not because of that, but we had just driven two cars, although it was probably pretty good to have a little space there. We were driving home, and uh, of course, I left first, but Lauren did pass me. True story. She's not here. Uh, and uh, they texted us, and I, I just replied back like, uh, whatever. Yeah, the meeting was great. And then I said, yes, this is going to count on my phone usage, but I'm not speeding. And then Lauren, when she got home, she texted, yes, I was speeding, but I did not use my phone while I drive. So that's just something for us that we're like, we obviously have to work on. But is there, is there an area in your life that needs to be sanctified? Because you might think that it's not a big deal, but you have no idea that if that area in your life has been handed over to the foot of Jesus, that has the power to impact somebody else. Somebody can go, oh man, it, it can be done. Or, or they say, oh man, James, I know that, I noticed your, your language has been better. Not that he, it's, I can use James because we're friends, right? I noticed your language has been better. What, it's an opportunity to say, yeah, that's an area that I've struggled with. I've been saved forever and I just struggle with that. And uh, but just really been handing that over to the Lord. You have no idea the impact of you being sanctified, growing closer to the image of the Father can do on somebody else. Because we like to think that our problems are our problems. Oh, oh, the way that I spend my money. Oh, but it doesn't really affect anybody else because it's just a little thing that I do that nobody else knows about. Yeah, but, it, but if you correct that, imagine what the Lord can do with that. Not only what he, can he do with that, but what can he do in your heart where you don't hold on to it anymore, but you re, just release it. I mean, is there an area in your life that needs to be sanctified? And the last one is, is there, this is the faith. This is Abraham believed in God and was credited him to righteousness. Is there anything else that you, that you lean on instead of him? Because it's called an idol. It might not be a wooden carved image made of stone and you, you put it up there and you bow down before it every day. But if there's something that you lean on instead of him, that's an idol and it has to go. That's, our, that's, that's the questions that we need to ask ourselves. And if we just walk out of here and go, man, let's just go to lunch. What a disservice to, to this whole thing today. So I'm just going to pray for us. Pray over us. And then we'll get out of here. Father, we just, we come before you. Thank you that, you're, that the gospel is the power to save and to sanctify. Father, if there's anything in us that, that you would like to see changed, we just have open hands. We release it right now. Father, we desire the change more than we desire the things. Father, we just pray it, that you would reveal any idol, any place, anything, any person that I put my hope and my trust in before you and above you, that you would reveal that to us right now. And that we would just lay that down.
cast it aside and put our hope and our trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, as you guys leave, church picnic is next Sunday. Uh, on the, when you walk out, there's a little table in the middle. There's a sign-up sheet. You can sign up for a side of dessert. Not a dessert, Maybe just a side on there. Also, if you want to help uh, me, Ma, uh, she, she's over here. She's in charge of our kitchen. Uh, my mom is. And so uh, if you want to help out on the kitchen, just sign up on that. Love to have you. And then uh, the 13th, May the 13th, is brunch and blooms. My wife said I kind of made it sound like it wasn't a really fun thing to build your own bouquet, bouquet, bouquet. So I don't know, but so it's a really fun thing to come and build your own bouquet. All right? You see this? All? So it's just a time for moms of all ages. She's never missing again, by the way. She will be here no matter what. Uh, but uh, moms of all kinds, adopted, spiritual, physical, this is just our opportunity to be able to celebrate you. Uh, Amy is going to be uh, heading that up, and we'll have a great time. Free food. Even if you don't want to, it's still free food. Just come and go. Grab a plate and get out of here. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Amen, amen.